Tabletop Radio Hour, your podcast for everything tabletop. My name's Zach, and this week I have my co-host with me. I have Mark and Steve. Mark, how are you today? Do you really want to know? Really? I mean, it's kind of obligatory <laughs> at this point. Okay. I'm okay. <laughs> oh, oh, and Steve, how are you doing? Fan-flippantastic. <laughs> awesome. Just so everybody knows. It's not obligatory. (laughs) We're not that mean to Mark. (laughs) No, no, you're not. He's part of this fam family. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like always, we will be on to our segment, Wish of the Week. In Wish of the Week, we talk about anything we are excited for, from movies to video games to RPGs. I will start with Steve this week. Steve, do you have a Wish of the Week? Uh, I do indeed. Uh, It's a video game, and it just came out, and I've started playing it, and I'm hopelessly addicted to it. Monster Hunter World, has anyone else heard Hmm. of this thing? Is it on anyone's radar? I've I've heard of it. I've definitely heard of it. I've seen a little bit of the demo gameplay. Um, You know, I, I played Monster Hunter on the... What was it on the Wii U or on the? It was it was mm-hmm. either on the Wii U or on the uh, the 3DS. I don't remember which one. Uh, but, okay, um, it was on both. So yeah, yeah. I don't remember which one I had gotten. Um, I didn't love it personally. Okay. Um, the the kind of the play style, like all the controls and how the layout was, wasn't great for me. Incredibly um, awkward. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very awkward. The new one's done. Uh, a few relatively mild, I guess it depends on mild is sort of in the eye of the beholder. They've changed quite a bit of the mechanics to make it uh, more user-friendly. Um, it's never going to be like combo-rific God of War, but us Monster Hunter fans are always like, you know, we, we like looking at Monster Hunter and saying, you know what, if we want to like n- drop it down a few notches, we'll go play Dark Souls. So it's sort of a, a <laughs> matter of pride that, you know, it's a little bit a little bit obtuse and that, you know, it's it's... Uh, a more like multiplayer centric version of of one of those kind of uh, uh, 3D hack and slash loot games. Yeah, definitely, it's definitely been an interest of mine to to want to get into it. Uh, but like I said, with the the previous version, I uh, I didn't love the the interface as as far as you know how how everything felt. Okay. Well, but yeah, one, I'm definitely interested in, in giving this a try. It, it would it would be a good entry point. Aside from looking beautiful, they've they've made a lot of like uh, I don't say concessions. It's not like they've really compromised it, but they have made it a lot more accessible to people who aren't familiar with the series. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's just so much fun. So yeah, <laughs> now like at first when this came out, I was like, I'm not doing another Monster Hunter. And now that I'm doing it, I'm like, I'm not doing anything but another Monster Hunter. So <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, is it still the kind of pick up a mission and go and do this kind of feel? Yeah, mostly. Um, you yeah, you grab a mission from the board. You grab uh, some friends and uh, you go out and basically usually hunt a monster of some sort. Uh, and it's the monsters are all dragony, you know, giant kind of looming mm-hmm. things that kick the crap out of you. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I got two copies, so I'm playing it with my wife right now. So we go off in the, uh, as a pair and just That's you beautiful. know murder the crap out of dragons. It's so fun. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Definitely. Anything else for you this week? Well, that's all I got. Perfect. Mark, you are next up on the docket. Well, since you asked, I <laughs> I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, but... Uh, oh, no. Have you seen this? It's called Consentical. It is a... Consentical is a game where you and a partner help a tentacled alien and a curious human have a mutually satisfying romantic encounter. (laughs) (laughs) 
You you must send a link. <laughs> I will send a link. This I, is the greatest game of all time. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, for some reason, I, I don't, I, I'm a little afraid to find out why, but this has been showing up in my Facebook feed. I've just been seeing advertisements for this everywhere. I'm not positive. I really, really dare buy this, but uh, it was is it, is it a, a video game? No, is it a... it's a card game. Oh, okay. okay. I um, like card games. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's the link yeah. it's uh there is said link i'm afraid to i don't want any part of this on my browser it. history but i'm so intrigued <laughs> that was kind of how i feel it's like okay we gotta talk about this i, I don't know if i want it but i've been i've been seeing so much and it's won awards i mean if you if you scroll down the, the kickstarter for this yeah you know there's there's this whole list of awards it's won um you know it's uh, yeah but, this is uh, brilliant. It's <laughs> like the greatest thing that's ever. That's very strange. Oh, wow. I think that might end up in my shopping cart. We'll, we'll <laughs> see how brave I get. I got to get myself drunk before I order that one. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely. The art style is very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I like the art. Uh, yeah. The art's beautiful. Um, you know, it looks, you know, fairly straightforward. You, you have some little tokens that... Uh, that you add to the the gameplay, right. um, so it's not straight card game, but it's it's pretty pretty close. Um, but yeah, it's it just looks like what it sounds like. It looks exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> and I think it's a little bit more. Oh my god, this is brilliant! So. I, I put in that into google search and it said no matches so apparently my spelling is so bad i've baffled google i've never done that before <laughs> i sent i sent the link okay okay so you, yeah um but uh yeah it's it, definitely interesting yeah it was on kickstarter uh they they raised raised a bunch of money um i don't know what their original goal was but uh oh yeah it, they they like i don't know tripled quadrupled their uh their goal so they they made nice. it and you can pre-order a copy now and good golly they made a hundred and fifty thousand dollars on kickstarter yes <laughs> yes there's a niche market here that i don't even want to know about <laughs> oh you know who they are that is awesome <laughs> yeah yeah I've, I've attended enough mega cons to not be completely shocked by this but... that's right <laughs> oh man oh good lord so, okay, Zach, you're yeah. trying to top that. <laughs> yeah, follow that up. <laughs> I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can follow that successfully. <sighs> uh, but for me this week, um, it's kind of kind of similar to Mark in the fact that it's past its Kickstarter and you can pre-order it. Uh, something called Cthulhu Dark. It is an RPG, of course. Are you setting up a teenage girl to have a romantic encounter with Cthulhu? <laughs> no, no. Oh, okay. No, other, other than other than the whole Kickstarter thing and the pre-order thing, <laughs> nothing is similar except for tentacles. Okay. <laughs> oh man, but um, but it really it it interested me. I I heard about it on uh, on our buddy Brendan's podcast, Full Metal RPG. He had somebody on not too long ago. Uh, and they were just kind of discussing things that they were, you know, kind of like we're doing right now. They were just discussing things that they are excited for. And, uh, and Cthulhu Dark came up. It was kind of explained as, you know, this is a, you know, a Lovecraftian style RPG where, um, you know, there's a very small rule set, uh, maybe two, three pages and then the rest of the book is kind of exposition, kind of, you know, a, I, don't, I don't really know what all is in the rest of the book, hmm. honestly. Um, but it's really, it's it's kind of interesting to see, you know, a Cthulhu-style game doing something like that. Yeah. You know, having just a very simple rule set. You know, I haven't seen a Cthulhu rule set that's simple since I got the Cthulhu hack. And that's that's actually kind of lengthy for a, for a black hack game. Nice. But yeah, it's it definitely has interested me a little bit. And uh, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about pre-ordering it. Hmm. Well, if you do, let us know how it turns out. It sounds intriguing and can't yeah. get enough Cthulhu, right? 
Never. You can never get enough Cthulhu. <laughs> that and Mark hasn't played Cthulhu yet, and we've got to got to haze him into uh, <laughs> into playing some, uh, that some is, Cthulhu. That is true. Well, he did survive my last seventh C game, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh, in other news, um, I have have been playing a lot of Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Oh, okay, awesome. On the PC, mm. nice. Um, I immediately, you know, after after a little bit, I I started getting really uneasy and restless about the Xbox One version. Okay, makes sense. A lot of people are. A lot of people are, and you know, if you if you know what if you know what PUBG is, you know that the the console version is not great. Yeah, and there's so um, many people playing the console version. I think at this point, the PC people are worried that it's gonna uh, <laughs> it's gonna infect the PC version. Yeah, <laughs> so, serious, seriously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there there's a lot of a lot of issues on the uh, on the Xbox Xbox One side of things. Um, and I had just gotten tired of it and and uh got on Steam and looked up the uh the system requirements for PUBG. I was like, hey, my computer can do this. So I <laughs> downloaded it <laughs> for PC. Perfect. And I've been playing that for a nice. while. Um definitely been been uh, much, much better um as far as server client side of things, you know, less player drops, you know, less stuff like this. Nice. So it's it's been really great. But yeah, Very cool. And I think I think that'll be it for uh, this segment. Actually, of, uh, before we uh, move, uh, <laughs> before mm. we move on, maybe <laughs> as kind of a group wish of the week, do we want to talk about our big news? the 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 plan is uh, that we are going to have a uh, tabletop radio hour table uh, coming up at MegaCon Orlando in May this year. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, the paperwork has been submitted. I'm waiting for confirmation and that sort of stuff to go through. But I think I am so stoked about this. I am like, I'm giddy. So uh, <laughs> Mark's been doing Megacon for years and years. Mark, uh, why, don't you, why don't you talk a little bit about the experience? Uh, yeah, Megacon's been uh, around for a while. It's, it's, it's grown a lot since I, even since I started doing it. Uh, but it's, it's a pretty, pretty darn big uh, convention right here in Orlando. And it's going to be an opportunity for the three of us to actually be physically in the same room at the same time uh, for the first time ever. And it's going yeah. to be your opportunity to come see us, all of us, exactly. at once. In one yes. place. That's right. In one place. Well, <laughs> And not faceless drones on the internet talking ideally, to you through a podcast. And ideally two concentric tables. <laughs> Hopefully, yes. Ideally. Yes. Hopefully it'll be <laughs> one place. It might, be, it might be a little spread out, but, you know. Yeah. But, hey, over there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah set your you know make your uh, reservations and start to uh, planning to come to megacon to see us that is uh may 24th through the 27th yes i do believe in orlando florida the orange county convention center yes it's gonna be amazing be there aloha <laughs> <laughs> oh man <sighs> But yes, definitely very, very big news uh, for, for us coming in May. That's definitely exciting. Um, I don't get to make many trips for fun. Um, and so that's going to be a, that's going to be a this, good thing. This you're, is going to be a good you're, one. You're going to have a good time with this. Like have, yes. as an attendee of Megagon for many, many years, it's like, it's kind <laughs> of the only convention I do consistently and it is so cool. So you're going to yeah. love it. You're going to have a great time. Yeah. And we should have uh, we should have some merchandise, and uh, be sure to stop by and check all that out. Uh, we might even try and put together some uh, some events of our own uh, to to uh, that you can take part in. So mm-hmm. yeah, stay in touch Absolutely. and uh, find out what's going on. And I think that'll be it for this segment of Wish of the Week. Uh, and now we're on to our next segment, Game at a Glance. In Game at a Glance, we pick a game off the shelf or something we just got, and uh, and we, we kind of pick it apart, kind of a first glance um, experience. Or 
a first glance in a long time kind of uh, kind of experience. Which is this what it's going to be today, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, this week is uh, a, a big nerd fest for Steve. Oh, uh, we're going back to his childhood, and we are picking up Mage the Ascension 2nd Edition. Uh, now, we talked about this last time uh, as my wish of the week, because uh, it was recommended to me, and I, I picked it up. I am a horrible podcast host, and I have not read it. It's sitting here on the corner of my desk, and I've had no time to uh, to read it at all. But Steve has had a lot of experience with it. Indeed, yeah. So let I'm me gonna let I'm gonna let him run this. Let me let me tell you about Mage. Okay, so <laughs> here's the deal. Um, anybody who's even vaguely familiar with the Vampire World of Darkness games from you know back when my God, it's like 20 years ago, isn't it? Um. It's the 20th anniversary edition. Oh, oh, there you go. See? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I'm so old. So if you're familiar (laughs) with the setting, you know, Vampire is sort of the big one. But I got to say, like, I think out of all of them, Vampire, Werewolf, uh, Changeling, Shade, um, uh, or Wraith, uh, I I think that Mage is definitely the most original of all their their classic settings. Uh, And and the real thing that makes it so awesome is is just sort of the original concept and the the premise. Uh, And... and it takes a little bit of of kind of head warping or whatever substances to wrap your head around, but but the point of the entire thing is is that the reason uh, you've got these people that can can warp reality, these mages, right? And the reason they can they can warp reality is that reality is actually consensual. Uh, reality is what every person makes of it, and the more people that believe reality is a certain way, the more reality shapes itself to their belief. Okay, so the mages are just the ones that realize, hey. If we don't believe reality works that way, it can work the way we want instead. The problem is reality itself fights back and tries to push itself into the conventional mold that most people hold. So when you've got these different factions of mages, they're kind of fighting against each other, but mostly what they're fighting for is the general perception of the people of the planet. Because if uh, if if humanity, if, if the general populace, the, the sleepers, the people that aren't mages, believe the world works some way, It'll start working that way, and so they're they're all of them are trying to shape the the kind of the public belief of the entire planet to change the world into the way they want it to be, um, and the the cool hook is you've got these these different groups of mages that want it to behave fantastically. Typically, they're sort of the protagonists because they're the underdogs. Like right now, you know, you look outside, you know, it does. We do not have dragons. We do not have cool fantasy stuff. Magic does not exist in the world that we know it um, because they've pretty much lost to a group of other mages called the technocracy that have made people believe that science works and that all of these other things that we believe the is shape reality. Um, the, everything, you know, the laws of physics weren't actually laws. They were, you know, magic, uh, a set of framework that was constructed by these guys. And once they managed to make most people believe that that's the way reality functions, it clicked into place and started working that way. So you've got basically the scientists, the technocracy, uh, versus these more fantastical mages in this kind of shadow war uh, where they try to to get out their more fringe beliefs and, and reintroduce magic to the world um, through the power of belief. Now, that's that's mostly the setting. It doesn't have anything to do with the mechanics. And truthfully, the mechanics are... You know, meh, here they are. It's 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 a good mechanical system, but but the real kick of it is is the setting. Like if you can get on board with that concept, suddenly it opens up this whole another world of 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 role playing for you. So, um, yeah, it's yeah. it's a lot of fun. And that's yeah, something it's, that, it's, that World of Darkness does really well, I think, and in, in any of the the variations is you know doing this overlay of reality that uh, makes it makes it what it is in the game. Uh, the, the concept of having these these two opposing sides, you know, the, the uh, technocracy and then the, the uh, forgot the other one. The Society of Mages or whatever. Yeah. 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 Um, just kind of the, the what if factor of what if the other side won and what, what would it be like? You know, like what... What kind of world would it be if it wasn't a technological world kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that gives that whole mystery aspect of, um, you know, what you're fighting for or, you know, something like that. Definitely. 
and it, mm-hmm. it they tie it together well because all of the you know mage factions are actually kind of linked to f- more fringy groups in the real world so you've got a group of mages that's uh um, basically tied to, to, to drug use, the sons of ecstasy or like, basically mm-hmm. they, they use drugs and they warp reality. And then because they're mages, whatever it warps to, you know, the walls actually melt or spiders are actually everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of terrifying, but that's sort of how it works. Um, and, and they are putting out, you know, kind of, a a constructive drug use to the populace to try to make other people feel that way and, and, uh, change reality. Uh, the the LSD reality that they like to their um, to their wishes, and other groups are sort of like the modern day druids or the hippies, and you know they're like you know trees, life, that sort of thing. And and if you like, okay, well if they're you know Greenpeace or you know any of those other groups, they might be infiltrated by these mages that are pushing their agenda so that they can make me, more people agree with them. So it's yeah, no, no, it's cool. it, and. Um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, um, maybe last week, I think, just off off air. Mm-hmm. We are talking about the whole uh, checks and balances. You know, the whole... Um, yes. It, it's pretty much only there. Like, you can only create it if the other people can believe it. Yeah. Yeah, they do a great... Because, because the, the, the thing behind the mages is you can do anything you want. Like, you know, you can shape reality however you want. There's the potential there for a ton of abuse. Like, you could just, you know, okay, I just collapsed the whole world. I'm done. You know, or whatever you want to do. But it doesn't work like that because of the whole reality pushing back. So if you do anything, any kind of magic that is is what somebody, a, a witness or somebody, you know, who who would be observing it wouldn't believe then it doesn't happen. So like if you're in a, a crowded room and you try to do like something really minor, make your finger glow or something like that, bad things are going to happen to you. <laughs> if you do something that other people would perceive to be magic, then the world is going to come crashing down on you and make you regret <laughs> it. Maybe that means damage. Maybe that means you grow a tail. Maybe that means, you know, you lose an arm uh, or you can't cast magic for a month or something like that. Like, very bad, <laughs> very, very bad things happen if you're overt about your magic. On the other hand, you have extreme latitude when it comes to making things seem coincidental. So if I want to throw a fireball at that guy, but I can't throw a fireball at him because people wouldn't believe it, I can blow up a gas main next to him. I use the same magic roll. People believe in exploding gas mains. He takes the same damage you would from a fireball, and we're done. You know, it's it's really yeah. it's a really great uh, exercise in creative storytelling. It's like I've got a goal, I want to do it. How can I make this seem coincidental and not overt? <laughs> and on on the other hand of things, if you know, can you essentially do anything you want to if nobody sees it? Uh, you can't do anything if nobody sees. It. Like if you go out in the woods, there's still limits. Reality itself is an observer to an extent, but you can do a lot more. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could make, you know, trees form themselves into a bridge or, you know, something like that um, a lot easier. It's not going to, you know, completely ruin you. Um, but and it also depends on how strong a, a mage you are. You know, if you're how high your level yeah. is, is also tied to what you can get away with. Definitely. Yeah, it's a very, very interesting concept to the game and a very interesting, um, you know, they, they balanced it. Very well, I, I believe. It's definitely a, a, a well-put-together game. I think so. The thing that, yeah. mechanically, the thing that kind of differentiates itself from their other properties is instead of giving you little tricks or skills or traits that are like, you know, you do this, X happens, somebody takes this much damage, it's a lot more open-ended than the other games. Like, you just do whatever you can get away with based on your your school or your spheres, your, your area of influence. And... um it leads to a whole lot more creativity than, you know, um, well, you say vampire or werewolf. Awesome. But yeah, with the, with the amount of cults in, in the game, kind of, kind of like classes essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Factions. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot of different, you know, routes you can take when it comes to playing a character. Absolutely. They've got, Definitely. A, they've got a group that's all uh steampunk. They've got a group that's, uh, the virtual adepts are all, um, you yeah, know, hackers, basically. Virtual reality. Yeah, virtual reality. Like. Technology is it kind of worked that way, and um, yeah, the, basically, you know, they've got kind of something for everybody. Their 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 groups are extremely diverse. 
if you wanted to play Merlin, if you wanted to play Dumbledore, you could do that too. They've got a they've got a school that's old school. So, hmm. you know. Yeah, there's there's a lot of customization when it comes to this game. Mhm. Yep. You know, you can you can essentially play any type of character. Yeah. That's really great. For something like this, like even if you were unfamiliar with the setting, you could like make up a character and then the GM could help you like, you know, fill in the blanks and and pick out what school and area works for that. And it's also great for newcomers because a lot of their uh stuff is is uh, a lot of their their kind of intro sequences are based around you just found out you're a mage. So if you don't know the whole world, there's like uh, you know a great entry point is boom, you're awakened. You can do this stuff. Now here's what happens and and you kind of find out you're not expected to have extensive back like knowledge of all the backstory when you start yeah. out in the game of this. So nice. Yeah, it's definitely interesting and um I definitely think we need to get a, an actual play in here. Uh, for at least a couple episodes. I would love to run that. Yeah, if if you guys want to do that sort of thing, you know, we'll we'll put together some character concepts and I would be thrilled to make that happen. Oh yeah. Excellent. That's going to be great. Awesome. But if we don't have anything else, I think that's going to be it for this segment of Game at a Glance. <laughs> Now on to our main topics. Um, not too long ago, you know, I'm I'm always on Reddit looking for different stuff. I'm sure these these gentlemen also are mm-hmm. absolutely. And uh, you know, I come I come across uh, different posts that you know maybe nobody's responded to or you know is is asking for help. Kind of throw something out there. And uh, I came across one last week, I believe. And it's it's definitely interesting on several fronts, <laughs> but kind of kind of the general gist of of what this person's post was is, uh, you know, I'm a first time GM. I'm setting up a game with two first time players. It's it's a heavily modified version of D and D fifth edition. And the world is a custom world from, uh, some of my own personal, you know, a novel fiction. he's writing. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Um, that's the first red flag. <laughs> yes. Honestly, the first of many, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> honestly, if, if you're gonna, if you're gonna GM making your own setting is great, but not on your first playthrough, not on your first game. Yeah, I, I didn't get through the first sentence of this thing before I like choked on my own phlegm here. It's <laughs> yeah. basically yeah. The, the, the fact that you know you're trying to run a game, you've never run a game before. Okay. Uh he's never played a game before either. He's doesn't he's never played an RPG before, and neither right. have any of his players. So their absolute first time RPG experience is a game they make up on their own based on a rule set that he presumably what read in a book. I mean, like if you've never played the game before, you're not even familiar with the rule set you're modifying. Oh, so many red flags. And and it's based on a novel he's writing. So it's it's his own it's biased. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. very biased. It's very oh. yeah, I mm-hmm. I would run screaming from this game. So uh, screaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and he, he lays out an intro scene and really he's looking for feedback on his intro scene, but his intro scene is basically the introduction sequence in Morrowind, so I don't know. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's the the kind of you wake up in a tavern sort of feel. Yeah, uh, right. That's it. That's in quotes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was. Uh, I think the gist was his players were children, and uh, you wake up on a ship. Uh, you hear muffled voices above you, and you're you're coming up to port. You know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of threw out the the whole you know the you wake up in a tavern scene. Um, is really overused, definitely. Yeah, usually. But on the other hand, if they've never played before, they haven't overused it. So, to be fair, <laughs> yeah, it could be. That's that's <laughs> definitely is, true. This is John and Carter did, symbol uh, or syndrome all over again. Like everything they do <laughs> could be completely original the first time. <laughs> yes. Um. Yeah. I. 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 Ended that with, uh, but I think it's very fitting. Uh, for the start of everyone's journey, both in game and for you as players. 
Yeah. So yeah, it's it's definitely a thing you you can use, you know. But it, I was just kind of throwing that out there to say it's gonna get old. You know, mm-hmm. the, the same, you know, that kind of, um, that kind of story arc is gonna get old real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, and if I'm not being Captain Salty Troll, the one thing here I will say <laughs> that's that's nice and and kind of interesting about this is that his players are actual kids. I think it would be kind of mm. cool to do an RPG game where your your characters are nothing but kids. He put in there that survival was a big element of it. If your mm. entire game was just like, you know, two kids trying to live on the streets with no powers, no abilities, blah, blah, blah. You know, um, that would actually be kind of cool. Now, then mm. again, he's got this like he's got some sort of skill tree system. So clearly it's not it's not meant to be like a, a straight up survival game survival rpg right it's but, not meant to be tales from the loop essentially. yeah yeah it's but, gonna i think it's gonna evolve into something more arcane heavy and you know something like more like you know a heavy D game most likely yeah uh, how do you okay like who who, uh, who does this okay who's who's <laughs> like i'm gonna write a novel but i've never read one like how do you do that like yeah like, it's it's kind of reaching, grabbing at too many straws. Honestly, it's mm-hmm. he's he's shooting a little big um, for his first experience. I don't know. I don't yeah. know his background is for you know being a listener or watcher of content based on you know the whole tabletop game side of things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I have a feeling that somebody that hasn't played an RPG isn't going to religiously watch content from RPG you creators. Think. Yeah. You wouldn't think. Yeah. I, of course I am probably wrong because that's the case. Most of the time you just alienated our entire audience of like <laughs> stay at home knitting moms that are like, well, I never, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I never, I never um, play this, but boy, I like listening to the tabletop radio yeah, hour show. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it's just kind of, you're, you're really, uh, you're going at it the wrong way, honestly, is kind of what my opinion is. Well, I think uh, whenever I hear, hear the home, the word homebrew, I, I get, I get chills. Uh, and I <laughs> that's think that's Mark's least favorite word. It, it is. Yeah. But I think, I think when you hear that, what you have to, or, or when you think that what you have to ask yourself is why do I have to homebrew it? What content is not there? I mean, the other hand, you know, we're all, com- we're, we've all developed content. But the, my reason for developing Steam Spy is because there was nothing for two players. There was a specific exactly. goal. There was a reason for doing that, for creating something new. If, yeah. if that had already existed, I wouldn't have had to do that. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, you know, especially when you go into a, a role-playing game, if you're, you know, oh, I'd like to play a uh, fantasy with with elves and dwarves and fighting goblins. That's Shadowrun. There's no reason that you have to create a game for that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know? yeah. There, yeah. That's, there are that's dozens. definitely Shadowrun right there. <laughs> or, well, a, a modern day one, yeah. But like, and yeah. Well, like, a modern day, yeah. But yeah, if you start with like, you know, why are you doing this in the first place? Like, like, can't you just take the existing rule set and drop it into whatever new setting you want? Now, if it doesn't work, then you can modify from there. And usually modifying by omission or deletion rather than by adding is safer. Because especially if, I mean, start by playing the original game. Figure out what Mm -hmm. is, because a lot of these things are written in in the original, whatever original game for a reason. You know, good or bad. If you start like like cutting out stuff and, and dropping in others without ever having understood how the original thing works in the first place, you know, you might've just gotten rid of the best part about the whole game without right. even knowing it. So, and in, and in this case, if the goal is to introduce these other players to role-playing, you don't need an original game to do that. Start, start with D and I'm not yeah. a big fan of D and D, but that is a, a starting <laughs> point that everybody is familiar with. It's a great and starting point. Yeah, it really is. It really is. That, I mean, that's what it's designed for. Really, that's mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Start with the basics and and go from there. Yeah, play that and then homebrew it. You know, it's like you have to yes. get to know. You know, I think Steve said this. You have to get to know 
the the rule set before you can start modifying it. You know, you yes. have to Yeah. You know, you have to have that knowledge. You have to have you need to know how to play the game so you know how it runs, how balanced it is, how unbalanced it is, you know, stuff like right. that. Mm-hmm. Know why something doesn't work for you before yeah. you change it. Well, and and how about this? If the point of this entire thing is that he's impatient to uh, start exploring content in his user-created world and he doesn't want to mess with any of the rules, throw everything out. Don't even mm. do have no mechanics use, at all. Do use the, the black thing. hack. Like, yeah. Ba- yeah, use black hack or just just like do a no rules thing. Just say, okay, I'm the narrator. You guys are characters. You know, you can let them describe their guys all they want, but just no dice, nothing like that. If you want to hit a guard, the GM tells you if you hit or not. Like, that's it. Like, you know, do the entire thing paperless and and do your narrative that way. And, like, you can see if they're interested in your your story, all your, all your background things. You can see if it works or if it doesn't. Um, you don't need to have any kind of rules at all if all you're trying to do is uh, experiment narratively with a new setting. Yeah, it's it's just it's kind of a it boggles minds. It's a mind boggler. Um you know, it's like you know, this it, this post says, you know, this game is homebrewed based on the universe of my unpublished novel is set in completely different to any tabletop I've ever seen. Well, of course. If you've because, never seen the tabletop, it would be. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm sure you if if you're a first time player, first time GM, you, you can't possibly say that it's not like any other tabletop RPG. Mm-hmm. Well, to, not to I be fair, read. Yeah, he, to be fair, he said any other tabletop game I've ever seen. If you think about <laughs> what's in stores, he limited subset. Yeah, I mean, if you think of what's out in stores, there isn't that much there. You know, if you, unless yeah. you know where to look. It is, it is hard to find variety. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But like there are games that have a heavy survival mechanic and, you know, there are things that match different, you know, style sets that they're looking for. Definitely. Well, and if you want to, if you want to make an RPG, step one, play some RPGs, like have yeah. some kind of basis. Otherwise, like anything you do, you know, you don't know if it's a good idea or a bad idea. If, if you've never played any ideas at all. I mean, that's like, I don't play any board games, but I made this really original one about buying real estate. And <laughs> like, you know, it's uh, just, just play something, get in a group, get in a random pickup group with stuff. And, you know, with, with people at a, at a, a comic store or whatever, play some regular fifth edition, play any edition D and D and, and roll with that for a while. And I guarantee you, whatever story that you're cooking up, whatever experience that you're trying to do with your friends is going to benefit very positively, but from just a, just a, a bare minimum of actual boots on the ground experience or role playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely, it's the, yeah, we could go on all yeah. day about this. Um, <laughs> yeah. just honestly, it's if, if you're, if you're gonna, if you want to create your own custom setting, fine. That's great. Create the setting, but stick with a game, a solid game that's been tested. That's been, mm-hmm. you know, that's been already established before you try and change it. You know, it's like this guy skipped steps four five and six and went straight to strip step 23. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, he wanted. He wants his novel to be a game. I'm assuming this yeah. guy. Um, reading some of these posts down the road here, this guy plays a lot of Skyrim. Um, <laughs> I'm assuming. I'm definitely assuming as much. A that lot of sense. it. Oh my god. I plan. I plan to play the game as a sandbox with the story coming through random encounters as the characters explore the city and country. Yeah, he's mm-hmm. he's trying to do a video game. If you talk to people, one you particular element of the story can only happen when a player is about to die. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That seems like a failure of imagination, but yeah, okay, cool. It see, it seems like twenty other things that are out there. Yeah, yeah. This whole you thing. Know. Well, like I said, Marwin going into it. Actually, now that I read this, it's like, oh yeah, this guy definitely likes Elder Scrolls. So, <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, and, and you know what? 
maybe you should just play Skyrim. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, somebody has to have like a decent Elder Scrolls RPG, right? Like that. I'm sure there, there I'm has sure there to is, be one yeah. floating around there. Start with that. Like, just grab that because it looks like clearly most of your ideas are really, really similar to most of their ideas. At least, you know, you might be, you can benefit from some of their, their, uh, you know, the play testing they've already done and things like that. Uh, and then start with that, drop that into your homebrewed universe and, uh, and if it doesn't work, move on. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah, definitely. But start with something that's solid first. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing is to be aware of the fact that video games and tabletop role-playing games are different entities. And there is a reason that things are treated differently in one than there is the other. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, no. Oh, no. We flipped the mark switch. (laughs) (laughs) See? See? This is what happens. It's true. true. But, but yeah, it is. You know, don't, don't try to shoehorn into something. You know, don't try to shoehorn your game into something that it's not. Yeah. And I nope. think that's that's his biggest, you know, that's his biggest uh, fear, right? You know, my, my biggest fear of what he's doing here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and another another thing is, you know, I think I think if this person would have experience playing four other different games. Uh, whether it be of the same system or different systems entirely, they would have a better idea of what to do and what not to do. Exactly. Yes. Um, yes. It's like, you know, like Steve said, it seems it seems like Skyrim, especially f- like third line, there are no classes and massive skill trees. What mm-hmm. does that sound like? Skyrim. Yeah. You know, it's like, and again, right after that, he says, completely untested. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh man. Yep. Oh well. Don't, yep. Uh, first off for you as a GM, don't do that to yourself. For mm-hmm. second, for the players, don't do that to new players. Don't do that to your players, especially new yes. players. They're never going to play an RPG again in their lives. No, yes. I'll do it to you guys. I don't care. And that's I, would sure. do, yeah. I would do it to you. We are totally resilient on this sort of thing because we've been playing RPGs for years. I mean, that's part of exactly. the thing. Exactly. You're, you're established. You know what gaming is. You yeah. know what tabletop gaming is. Yeah. Right. If somebody's never heard music before and you play them really crappy music, they will say music sucks and never listen to it again. Like right. <laughs> Exactly. Mm-hmm. If you play yeah. Nickelback on repeat, <laughs> there's no hope for them ever again. There's a <laughs> circle in hell waiting for you. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's I, when I first read this, the idea was amazing. Mm-hmm. He's being creative. Mm-hmm. He's being experimental. Great. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That's that's beautiful. We need that more in the industry. We need that more in, in the hobby. We need that more in tabletop gaming completely. Yep. But go through the road. You know, don't cross the river and try to get to the other side of the road before, you know, before you're ready. Yeah. Don't start there. Exactly. Don't start at the end because that's, that's, that's a middle to end road kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Don't, he's never played an RPG. He's pretty much trying to create his own RPG. That's not okay. I mean, it's, it's okay. Fine. Go and do it. It's not going to be as successful as you need it to be. Well, it really sounds like he's more he's more impressed with his own novel than he is really trying to introduce some people to role playing. Yeah, he he probably just found a couple of his friends. He was like, "Hey, let's do this," and they were like, "Okay, we don't have anything better to do." So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now I've heard about I've heard about D anD D. This might be really awesome. Let's try it. Yeah, and then they don't for- play D anD D. Yeah, let's do something vaguely like D anD D that I think is yeah. Oh my gosh, so many yeah. so many warning signs. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if you want to bring this full circle, apparently, uh, back in the the days of the first Elder Scrolls game, Arena, uh, the guy who made it was a huge fan of D anD D, and he <laughs> made the game Arena based on his homebrew setting, his his uh, uh, made up <laughs> world that he wanted to to his his D anD D players were playing in. So, but he'd 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 played D anD D before, though. Yes, yeah. This this was yeah. born in D anD D. Is what I'm saying is Elder Scrolls uh, came was from D anD D. Yeah, 
That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> Todd Howard really is the guy. So there you go. Todd Howard, is that yeah. what you said? Yep. Todd Howard. Cool. Hmm. Uh, something else, and then we'll leave this post. Uh, <laughs> another thing that could spark some some good conversation or bad conversation. I don't know. Um, somebody else had posted on this on this um, this thread, kind of uh, suggesting something I don't enjoy, <laughs> just because that's not my style of play. You know, I'm, I'm biased to, to the whole collaborative narration thing. Hell, I'm making a game that's about collaborative narration, but this guy kind of, the more I think about it, the better it is in the short term, but the worse it is in the long term. This guy's saying, you know, as, as the GM, as the DM, you create the world that the players inhabit this means you should be the one to tell them what they hear, smell, taste, see, and feel. Uh, only The only thing the players should be in control of is their own intentional thought process. And goes on, goes on a, little bit, a little bit farther with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my opinion, based on the kind of games that we're playing right now, um, and, and the kind of GMs that we all are, um, we enjoy sharing the creativity, uh, with seventh C with the terrible RPG with mm-hmm. satanic panic with whatever mm-hmm. we, um, we're okay with having the players narrating their own stuff. Um, and I think, I mean, it's it's good for creativity. It's good for people to feel what it's like to be a GM, you know, having the control of something narrative. Mm-hmm. I've, I've implemented small narration ever since I played, uh, you know, ever since I played Pathfinder, ever since I played, you know, 5th edition in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Just because that, you know, we've talked about it, that can add some more interest from the players definitely can because mm-hmm. it feels like you're part of the story. You're helping it grow. You're not True. just working through the ropes of this dictator GM that's sitting in front of you. Yeah. True. Not being now, able to, to change anything. But, but talking about this specific instance, mm-hmm. um, you're talking about a care, uh, game master who has, who has created a world that it sounds like he wants to introduce and, you know, stick to in that case, it is more up to the the game master to define that world and be a little bit more control of it. Also, we're talking about brand new players who haven't role played before who may need their hands held a little bit more. So in this particular case, maybe that's not such a bad thing, but uh, yeah. And, and, you know, part of my original point was, you know, it's good for first time everything. Yes. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely agree. In the, in the short term, once you kind of learn what you what you're doing, and then, you know, like like we did, we evolved into seventh something like seventh C, mm-hmm. and that's a more collaborative narration. Yeah. There. Yeah. And and that's a good thing to expand to. Sure. But yeah, in the short term, it's great. If yeah. you're doing that for twenty years, that's kind of it gets way too railroady. You well, know, it gets and, way too closed off. And that's something, though, that uh, role-playing games in general have evolved from. If you go, mm-hmm. if you look at like the old school, um, you know, basic dungeon crawls, that was a narrator saying, you know, here's what happens when you open this door, and here's what's behind this door, and yeah, it was it was very much that's. That's the way it was. That's what role playing was. Was the oh, yeah. character right. the GM told everything that happened, and all the character could could introduce was their reaction to it. Um, but as games have evolved, especially recently, that narrative uh, flexibility has be, be started to become more obvious through a lot of games. Mm-hmm. And, more uh, much more, more recent than we know. Yeah, with uh, with cold shadows. Look at cold shadows. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You you win a narrative power, and you get to say what happens. You know, over mm-hmm. the GM. You know? Yeah. So that's 
that just came out, what, officially a month ago? Mm-hmm. About, <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, def- but, but it's, it's definitely even, elevated. Yeah. Even 7C had that a lot more, you know, a lot more than any other role-playing game had. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. And, and it really only works if you've got players that are familiar with, with role-playing in general. Like, that's definitely a more experienced paradigm. If you've got first-timers, you really don't want to say, okay, we're sitting at the table here. This is a character sheet. These are the dice. Tell us what happens. Like, <laughs> that's, that's, that's yeah. dangerous yeah, and a recipe definitely. for disaster. So Yes. Well, I would say re- they need to know role-playing and they need to know at least the universe that they're they're participating in. Um, yeah. If you're if you're going into a a Cold Shadows game set in the 1960s Cold War, and you you start talking about pulling about out your Cold cell War. phone. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, um, you know something else. It's like, have you given your players a you know a full description of what your world is like did what what do they know what don't they know what are they allowed to know about it like well if you have a, a well thought out role world you're never gonna explain that unless you spend the first five six sessions just downloading data to them which is right. fun for anybody that's no, so but yeah. it's like did you give them a write-up on what they do know mm-hmm. what they should know like, right are they going in this completely blind? Like what's going on? You know, some sort of an introduction. Yeah. yeah. This is, and that this would, by the way, is why, why character created universes like, you know, uh, uh, or, uh not character created, but uh, collaboratively uh, created homebrew homebrew universes yeah. are, oh, okay, are yeah. so dangerous when it comes to RPGs because you're dropping mm-hmm. a bunch of people into a world where they cannot possibly have as much knowledge about it as you do. Okay. And you're expecting right. them to react like they would in this world. But like, no, like they're absolutely going to be like kind of learning things in the fly. Now, mm. it, uh, homebrew settings work great if everybody's kind of learning at the same pace. Like if I, if we, if we do a homebrew setting and it's like a village in a dungeon and then we all start messing with it and it kind of grows out from there. Oh, well, let's, what is the country that this village is part of? Let's start taking a look at that. How does it deal with other countries? If that's something that grows with the players and the GM, then it's a really mm-hmm. beautiful thing. And a lot of the, 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 earlier D and D settings got their start like that. Like the Greyhawk stuff mm-hmm. that was all, you know, built with player input from these early D and D settings, but right. yeah. dropping a whole world of stuff on, on players on session one is a recipe for disaster. Yeah. You know, there's nothing that's going to be more frustrating than, than playing a game and making a, making a plan of attack and then, you know, trying to implement it and then suddenly have the care the game master, Say, uh, oh, it's a common knowledge in this world that uh, elves are ticklish, I don't, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, you never. Well, we all know elves are ticklish. Well, mm-hmm. of course they are. But you know, there's these things that are there's these little details that are going to pop up in a world, and the more inaccessible your world is, the the harder that's going to be for their players. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, um, you know, knowing, knowing what knowledge you're supposed to as a player mm-hmm. about this world, because there's, there's no way you can accurately role play in a world that you know nothing about. Right. Well, unless you go back into say one of the amnesia tropes, if you wake up mm. on this ship or whatever, and you don't know anything and you're not expected to know anything and all your wacky foibles are just a result of your guy who doesn't know what city he's in, um, you know, kind of come to grips with that, that could be viable. I mean, that could potentially work. Um, and, and, it and, could, it and, could, it could potentially work, but it could also potentially turn into our Cold Shadows gameplay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Grabbing at all the wrong straws. <laughs> I can't disagree with and that. And not getting anywhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's and always if, a, you know, that's always trouble. Yeah. And yeah. too much of that, you know, you, that can be an occasional game launch point. But if every game starts with that, you have yeah. no idea what's going on. That's going to be, that's disempowering the players as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Almost oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, it's just kind of, you got to learn before you, you, you gotta, you gotta crawl before you walk. You can't walk before you crawl. Yeah. Yeah. 
kind of thing. Go play um, some games, man. Like, get in a yeah. party, get a group, play something, anything, and have fun with it. Like, that's step one. Uh-huh. And, and be a player first. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. Player's, the, player's the best way to learn how the game runs before you're a GM. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's another kind of fundamental question here, and that is, if, if you're getting a group to get together, what is, who are you doing it for? Are you doing it for the game master to show off his world, or are you doing it for the players so that they can immerse themselves and role play and, and have an adventure? Um, I, you know, I think you may have hit the nail on the head on this one, Mark. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a don't be selfish kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's it's funny. Last week we talked, I think it was on the air, we, we talked about what games do you want to run? Mm-hmm. And that kind of, I, I was kind of blown by that because it felt wrong. And it took me a little while <laughs> to figure out the answer. Uh, the answer isn't what do I want to run? The answer is what do you guys want me to run? You know, yeah. What What do the players want? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because because we have the relationship that we we don't care what we run. You know, we just want to play, and we want everybody to have fun. Well, there's some the the game master has to be invested in the game. You know, I'm I'm not going to run a Cthulhu game because I know nothing about Cthulhu, and I don't. You know, so I would be a very bad choice as a game master for that. But uh, of the you know. I can show you the games on my ta- on my uh, shelf, and you can say, "Oh, I'd like to try that." So then I can run that based on the stuff mm-hmm. that that I'm knowledgeable knowledgeable about. Um, but yeah. but yeah, it, it really comes down to, you know, what what is your purpose here? Are you are you doing this just to to flaunt yourself and, you know, <laughs> hey, let me show you how much I know about this subject, and you know, you just sit down and shut up and let me tell you about you know, whatever genre we're dealing with. Or do I say, you know, I mean, the whole reason that, that, you know, especially at least Zach and I got together, we started was because we wanted to play seven C and that's what drove us to, to get together and start playing and, and talking about it. Um, and you know, that, that makes a big difference to, to how we approach our game sessions, whether you're game mastering or playing it. Yeah, it's the GM player relationship is, isn't just kind of like, it's not, you know, it's, it's never really a, you're in my world kind of thing. It shouldn't be. It's almost, it's almost the opposite. It's Mm -hmm. like, you're kind of you as the GM are almost bending over backwards for your players. I'm, I'm holding the reins of your world pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's it's your world. I'm just piloting. I'm driving. Yeah, basically. Yes. And, and yeah, as a GM, your pretty much whole job is to entertain your players. I mean, exactly. Yes. That's it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, because if, if you don't care about the players and they're not having a good time, guess what? There's a good chance they're not going to be there next week. Mm-hmm. Darn right. And you don't have a game anymore. And no matter how awesome your setting is, you're not even going to enjoy it. Nobody's having fun if the players aren't having fun. So, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 definitely a a learning curve. You know, it's sure. a it's mm-hmm. it's like it's like a relationship. You know, it, it grows, it, it, you know, it feeds off of everybody's energy. Yes, true. definitely. Definitely. So, uh, the coroner says this horse is dead. You want to move on? Well, and I think that'll be it for our topics. We had more, but we got a little wordy, like always. <laughs> um, <laughs> But thank you, gentlemen, for joining me again today. Mark, it has been a pleasure. Steve, it has been a pleasure. As always. Thank you. You too. And that's it for this episode of Tabletop Radio Hour. Like always, you can find this episode on SoundCloud.com slash Tabletop Radio Hour and on iTunes. 
You can find us on Twitter at TabletopCast if you have any questions or comments. We also have an email address that is TabletopRadioHour at Yahoo.com. Our website, TabletopRadioHour.wordpress.com. You can find information about our Patreon page on our website. I want to thank you all for listening and keep rolling 20s.